This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome everybody to the Genius Brain Podcast. I'm going to switch my career into ASMR now. Yeah. So you hear the rain on the windowsill. <laughs> so we have a very, very awesome guest today. And you may not know her from any social media stuff, but what started off as somebody who was a fan is somebody who I really, really fuck with. Like, number one, um, I like to highlight people that, number one, I, I very much respect, right? And anybody who is a business owner that started from a passion, I always want to highlight because I think that a lot of the times when uh, people look at uh, what I do and what you do and they don't know how to get there, mm-hmm. you know, and because it's it's very scary opening up your own business. Yeah. It's, fr- it's frightening, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> like when we start off doing this thing, you really don't know what's going to happen. Like the only thing that you're you're banking on is that you have the skill and the talent to get you somewhere that you want to be. And it's hard sometimes because like I feel uh, sometimes I maybe we buy into our own bullshit. Like this is good. But we don't know what public perception is like. And specifically uh, today we have Kat from Cat's Suites. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and you are a um, a business owner that you work out of your house? Out of my house, yeah. License in my house, yeah. That's fucking crazy. How, how, how did you get started in this shit? Okay, so <laughs> – in a nutshell, and I'm going to sum it up in a really quick way, this was actually not even supposed to be a part of my path. Oh, uh, really? No. It's actually, um, I used to work in a hospital. And huh. the reason why I started baking was because I got diagnosed with cancer. And then my doctor was like, you know what? It's a liability for you. To- oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So in 2012, well... It's it's really weird. I had cancer twice. Twice. Yeah, twice. So in 2012, like you know. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah. So in 2012, I was diagnosed with um, B cell lymphoma, and what is that? Um, it's pretty much like your B cells are diffused and large, and it's your lymph nodes and everything. And I, yeah. at the time, I was uh, actually in college. Holy shit. So um, it, it was like three weeks of being in college, and I was like walking up these stairs. And I was like out of breath and, you know, the Asian side of you, it's like, oh, these are flu-like symptoms. Like, I'm yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to drink some freaking, some hot tea. I'm going to eat rice, rice porridge yeah, I'm gonna, and I'm good. I'm going to eat some fucking duck ankle and deer <laughs> Exactly. Be fine. And then it started getting like progressively like worse when I would uh-huh. walk up the stairs. And um, yeah, I started just getting like really short breath. And at, at the time I was like, something's not right. And then one Saturday I woke up, I was like, hey, I look at my sister Vivian. I go... I need to go to the ER. I, something's not right because I've been coughing like this for weeks now, like three weeks now, and I can't get upstairs. 
So then after that, we went to the ER and they ended up doing like an X-ray. They did blood tests and they found out that I actually had pneumonia. So I was running. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> and then because I've been just like suppressing with like, oh, it's just the yeah. flu. It's just the flu. Um, yeah, I ended up having pneumonia and then I got checked in and they did a, a procedure called like a feral effusion where they have to take yeah. the fluid out of your chest. And that's, that was supposed to help me. And whenever I went back to my room, all of a sudden my oxygen level went from like 90 to like 50 and I couldn't breathe anymore. It felt like I was drowning. So they rushed me to ICU and then they said, you know what, we actually just found out that you have lymphoma and there's a mass in your chest. So I have two, I had two masses in my chest. And so they, for people who don't know who what lymphoma is, what is lymphoma? It's a, a blood cancer. So it's, it's just like leukemia. It's the oh. leukemia and lymphoma are two uh, are the blood cancers. Okay. And okay. so, yeah, so, um, yeah, I literally had surgery and woke up and oncologist in my face says hey you know you have cancer I, at the time i was 19 i was like 19 oh my god you were so young. i was like 19 or going on 20 or something yeah. and um yeah and i they were like you know what you're gonna have to actually stay here and i had i have like scars and everything but i had three chest tubes coming oh. out of my chest just constantly pumping out fluid for i stayed in admission for about five to six weeks at orange coast memorial and um, they told me that on top of this fluid stuff that needs to come out of you, you have masses in your chest and you have stage three um, lymphoma. And I go, okay. Oh my God. Yeah, so, and at the time I was like, um, all right. I honestly, no family of mine had cancer on both ends. I was like, I don't really know what to do, but I'll, you know, I trust, I trust yeah, doctors. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's do what we have, we have to do. And um, they told me that it was going to be a rough ride, be, um, that I, I had like 15 rounds of chemo. And then after that, 15 yeah, it was rounds. How long did that take? Um, I was there for six weeks. So they did it every day. Oh, my God. And, but there was there was complications that kept hitting, like, because you're bedridden and everything. And like I'm at like right now, I feel really self-conscious about my because I'm a little like heavier than I would like to be. But at that moment in 2012, the lowest I hit was like 79 pounds. And it's what and, the fuck? Yeah, because I couldn't eat. I couldn't I couldn't put anything down. I couldn't eat. Um, and naturally, the cancer will wither you away. And at the time, before I even was admitted, I was losing weight and wasn't even trying. So I was like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on, but whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I did the I did the chemo. And then I they told me, you know what, after you're done with the chemo, I had a, a little bit of setbacks because um, you're bedridden. I yeah. ended up getting like an abscess and then that prolonged it. And then... Um, Another stepping stone was like they said, you can actually do outpatient radiation. So after the chemo, I got out of the hospital and it took it took a while because there's a term called like um, like NPO where you can't eat anything. You can't drink for. Honestly, I haven't been in I haven't been in a hospital in like six years in the field. I forgot, yeah. but it just pretty much means you can't eat or drink okay. shit. That's, that's all yeah. it really means. And um, I was neutrogenic, and neutrogenic means you can't take in anything that's like fresh because it, it might ha contaminate like, like bacteria. bacteria. Yeah, yeah, so I couldn't eat like 
I wanted freaking sushi. I wanted like red meat. I couldn't eat any, like fresh fruit was like, you can't eat fresh fruit. Fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. So it was one of those things. And then, um, yeah. And then I got out and I did radiation. And luckily, Ben, um, that I'm with right now, my fiance, he was there with me um, every single day during radiation. It was r- every day for about 16 weeks. Yeah. And, and it was like two hour sessions and it was like straight to your chest. They like they tattooed my chest, like the three areas where the masses were. In. Yeah. And I did that. And then, yeah, my life went on and I. Well, let me ask you something. Yeah. Um, number one, like there's not a lot of cancer in my family either. Mm-hmm. I mean, for you, there's none. So that probably blindsided you a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I heard of my, I heard of my, um, my mom's cousin, dad passing away through. Um, I ended up finding out later on that he had leukemia, but ah. that was like my mom's cousin's father. So I guess my grandpa's dad. It's not dad, very prevalent. In your yeah, family. it wasn't at all, and none at all. On my dad's side, so it to- totally took me blindsided, and my age too. Yeah, I, you're and, nineteen. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not a smoker. I actually don't drink or anything. So I was really like. And I asked my oncologist, like, how do you get it? And he's just like, it's, genetics. it's yeah, it's genetics, it's environmental. And, and mind you, I like lived in the South. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, you know, but I mean, I guess. So I have a friend mm-hmm. right now that's going. Uh, I think she just went through her last cycle of chemotherapy for a breast cancer. Right. And um, thought behind that is how did you kind of keep your spirits up? Through that, through that whole thing, because I, I can't imagine what that's like. You know, like you, I, I, for me, anyways, from an outside perspective, I'm a very positive person, or I like to think that I am. But how how did you kind of like maintain that mental stability during that time? You had to go, you know, six weeks in a hospital is rough. Yeah, and let me be honest with you, like it's that question. It gets brought up so much around my friends and my yeah. family, people I know, because they ask me all the time, like, "Can you give me advice for my friend, my aunt that's going through it?" And for both times I was diagnosed, because I've altogether I've had thirty rounds of chemo wow. and then a stem cell transplant at, uh, at Cedar Sinai. So, and to be honest with you, I hate to say this because it. I want to be and I, I want to be there for people and I don't know how to really sometimes I feel like shit for not giving yeah. the the right answer because for me I am a very positive person uh-huh. and so throughout that whole first diagnosis I didn't cry like I wasn't sure if I was in shock mm. like I didn't cry at all the only time I cried was actually um my hair has always been was a really big like security blanket for me I had my hair was like down to my butt growing up i never yeah. cut it and i said you know what fuck this i was like i'm not gonna give it power like the chemo and all this like everything that the nurses was throwing at me like you're gonna feel like shit you're, you're not gonna feel well you're gonna be ill ill you're gonna be this and that i was like i'm not gonna let them i'm not gonna be that percentage of people so yeah. when i was in the hospital i actually called my uncle who um who does hair and i said hey uncle can you come to my hospital and come cut my hair for me and buzz it off, and oh, uh, so shit. I took that power for myself. You and made I that choice. I, yeah, I took that choice, and I said I'm not gonna let this third because it's it's around uh, round three whenever yeah. your hair starts coming out. And I said before I start this round three, I want you to cut my hair. So he cut it in a bob cut, and then it, and then it was a really big dramatic change. But how did even, you feel when you lost your hair? Um, it was really. Uh, 
at first I was sad because like I said, it was a security blanket because yeah. growing up, I didn't feel pretty. I grew up in like a very small town in Mississippi and it's there's no Asians there, especially. Ah. And um, the only Asians that were there are my were my family. So I honestly wasn't around Asians and people didn't really find you know, Vietnamese or Asian people attractive. Like they would used to call me chink and stuff and I had really low self-esteem. But um, losing my hair, I was like, you know what? For some reason... Yo, you, you, you live in the OC right now though, right? Yeah, in Anaheim. Yo, talk about a fucking flip then, dude. That's basically <laughs> Vietnam, dude. Yeah, no, I, I like Ben is like straight from Garden Grove. Like he yeah, is that's more, Vietnam. He's more Vietnamese than me. And yeah. he's like Mexican and white. So like, <laughs> but he's more Vietnamese than me. But yeah, it's, it's crazy because um, when I lost my hair, I was like, I was really sad because it was my security blanket. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? This show will grow back. And... Yeah. It did, you know, and then the, but the second time that I got diagnosed, like two and a half years later, I'm not going to lie. I was like, hurt. I was like, fuck, like my hair was already like grown to like my yeah. shoulders. I was like, damn, again, you know, mm. my doctor told me like, yeah, this time it's gray zone lymphoma. And, and the, because my oncologist and this, that's what really like scared me the most this time around. This time I was way more worried about the treatment. Only because all the oncologists in Orange County, UCI, Orange Coast Memorial, they had no idea what to do. So they had to send me to L.A. And my understanding of what Gray's lymphoma is, it's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and Hodgkin's lymphoma combined. And it's a very low percentage of like research and how many I think the people that get diagnosed is like. 5,000 and less. Oh my so God. It's a very rare, rare, rare cancer. It's a combination of both. And my oncologist ended up telling me that during the first diagnosis, he thinks that I had a second cancer running inside of me, but because they were focused on taking One out day, the first. Yeah. yeah. So I, so they didn't know what to do. And OC, they don't have, I was surprised that Orange County didn't have a stem cell. Uh, machine yeah. so I, I was actually then I ended up being admitted to Cedar sinai for about two months um, and I stayed there did chemo Holy and fuck. then the stem cell transplant so yeah it's, but I mean, how did you fight through that because you know I think the first time when you go through it I think it's I want to say easier but easier yeah you know but then you know you just fought this thing you survived for and two then years that, and then that second round it's like Wait, what? Like, yeah, and and it that one was a little it was more emotional and yeah. it was because I was like, fuck, you know, I'm at that time I think I was like 22, 23 young. and I still young. And I go, all right, I can do this. I already I already did it once. I'm going to do it. This time it's going to be a little bit harder though because I'm not in the comfort of my my city where yeah. I where I could be where my family can visit me, where my fiance can visit me. Yeah. I'm all the way in freaking LA yeah. and I was staying there and I was there every day and the nurses and doctors kept telling me over and over again look we're going to have to pretty much collect your stem cells about 4 million stem cells from you take it out we're going to blast you with the harshest chemo they have and kill every good and bad thing in your body and then after that we put back your healthy stem cells into your body to rebuild your body, to rebuild back, your body back up and that time it was a little hard for me because my oncologist and I and I told you um I brought this up to you that this time around it was hard because the stem cell transplant it makes you the doctors tell you that you're going to be pretty much not be able to conceive children 
and oh, my yeah, my life calling and how I always felt in my life because I've I wouldn't say I've had a troubled life. It wasn't violent growing up. I was, you know, yeah. in Basin Lewis, Mississippi. I wasn't it wasn't violent. It wasn't like bad or anything like that. But I didn't my parents had me very young, sixteen, seventeen. Like Holy my shit. mom, my dad, they're like forty two and I'm twenty seven. Oh <laughs> so, my god. So they're young. And they, yeah, they're they, really they, young. They look like my siblings, you know? Yeah. And um this lovely podcast is brought to you by Purple. You know how much I love Purple, specifically my Purple mattress. And I always talk about sleep because what is sleep to us, my friends? How important is sleep? And if sleep is important in your life, then you know that your mattress has to be important in your life. And I love my Purple mattress, the best mattress I've ever had, ever slept on. And my back feels fan fantastic ever since i switched to a purple mattress on top of that i sweat at night i sweat no matter how cold it is outside i'm sweating and i didn't realize that the mattress that i had was not helping me out and purple gave me a high five and a quick quick help on that because purple has the technology to be soft and firm at the same time keep me cool and help relieve pressure points on my back because let me tell you the science behind it is rocket science. Did you know that the material is rocket science based? And my friends, the best sleep I've ever had. Helps out with my mood, helps out with my with my weight loss, controlling my stress. That's how important sleep is. And if once again, sleep is important, your mattress is important as well. So get on that purple, my friends. You're going to love purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text BRAIN to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text BRAIN to 84-888. That's B-R-A-I-N to 84-888. This podcast is brought to you by Skylight Frame. Check it out, man. Holidays are coming around the corner. And if you're looking for a really dope gift for your family, especially if you want to share memories and love, you got to get a Skylight Frame. Skylight Frame is a photo frame you can update instantly by email from anywhere. It sets up effortlessly in about 60 seconds. Just plug in, use the touchscreen to connect to your wireless network and enjoy. Sending photos to Skylight is super easy. Everyone in the family can just email them to your personal Skylight email address and they'll pop up in seconds. Now, for me, I actually got this Skylight frame for my parents because whenever I go on vacations or I travel, uh, all I have to do is send the Skylight or send to the Skylight that email address and the photos that I want to send them pops up. So when they have the frame and they want to see things or they want to see me, they want to see me and my fiance or the things that I'm doing and they want to see photos, uh, they don't have to wait for any other app or you know whatever just to see what I'm doing. I could send it to the email and it could pop up in the frame so they could see it in real time, which is really, really cool. So check it out, guys. Uh, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code GENIUS. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code GENIUS. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com, promo code GENIUS. They split up whatever when I was like two years old and then living over there, my dad, he... Um, I love both of my parents very much, but they both had different paths, you know, and I ended up staying in the South with my dad's side of the family. And yeah. my dad, uh, 
you know, he was a heavy uh, uh, drug dealer. <laughs> to be oh, in. shit. He was a drug dealer for California and for he was actually banned from California for seven years. So uh, he, I can talk about this now because he's clean and everything. Yeah, he's, he's fine now. Yeah, he's fine. Like he was in prison for 12 years. And Holy then, shit. <laughs> so, yeah, he was in prison for 12 years. And then um, he got out right whenever I got hit with the first diagnosis. Fuck, man. So my dad, and I'm like daddy's little girl. I, my, I'm my my dad's princess, you know, so he went 12 years in prison without me. And then he comes he out, comes and, then out and then he literally two weeks later, he finds out his daughter has cancer. And she could die. And he's just like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. So growing up, um, going back to it, yeah, like growing up, I felt like my life purpose was I want to be a mom. I want to be a parent. Because even though I love my parents to death and I had a great upbringing because my uncle took care of me very well. My uncle's like 31. He's like my dad to me, my second dad. Um, But it always made me want to be a parent. And so when that oncologist said like, hey, you need to freeze your eggs the second time around because you're not going to be you might not be able to have children. That's whenever it hit me the hardest. And it. And I didn't let a lot of people know this, but it bothered me a lot. Like, everyone's like, why do you want to have kids so young? I'm like, you know, this is something that I've always wanted. Well, you, you, know, I, you, know, uh, Anna, you know of Anna and Jeremy, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And so Anna's thing is, too, is like, it's hard for people to understand when her she feels like her life purpose, aside from the businesses that we do that are highly successful, is for her to be a parent. Yeah. And nurture somebody. Yeah. You know, and so for her... Is a hard pill to swallow when somebody says that if you want to look at it, maybe not in just having a children's sense, but somebody's telling you or God's telling you or your body's telling you, you won't be able to fulfill your life purpose. Yeah. And it's a hard pill for her to swallow. Yeah. And I actually, we actually like private mess each other all the time. And she's so, she's so inspirational when it comes to that, because I feel like she can honestly understand how. I'm feeling not a lot of people my in my friend space. A lot of my best friends they have kids or they're able to have kids. Like and it's a given for them, so they don't understand. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that's been hard to like relate and everything with them. But um, like I told you, we've been we're we're getting better. Like I I told you during the summer that yeah. I was I ended up getting pregnant after my oncologist. Yeah. My oncologist told me like you're not going to get pregnant, and then five years. Later, we ended up getting pregnant, and um, we were super happy. Like my fiance yeah. also comes from a broken family where he was in he was an orphan and everything, and he was in the foster care system. So wow. he wants to be a father as well. He wants to be a he doesn't know he's never met his dad, and we both want to be parents so bad. And when we see people who don't even, you know, it it just hurts, and people take that for granted sometimes that that you have that yeah, because I, th- I feel like you know having a kid is almost seems like a given yeah you know, the way people talk about it right like, yeah oh, when i get old, i'll have a kid but they don't realize there's some there's, it's not even some people a lot of people have trouble having yeah. kids like it's it's sometimes it's not in the cards for people yeah so what what, what happened with your pregnancy so at, we were super super excited yeah. and um we got a little we got a little too uh too excited a little too fast you know yeah we could we started telling our like our family and we told our closest friends and we probably shouldn't but it's because we've been trying so hard for years and it finally happened that we kind of just word vomit and he wasn't so much at initially he was really happy but then i was about seven weeks and he was like you know what i'm sorry babe like 
I can't get too invested because we already had a miscarriage before. Oh, fuck. So he was just like, I can't, it, the pain of it, I just can't handle it. So I, yeah. I want to make sure that you get to at least second trimester where things are, you know, the percentages are a little better. And he's, yeah. he's so logical and everything. So, and I was, um, and I'm an emotional person. So I'm like, why aren't you so invested in this? But I understand now why. And it's because at eight weeks, we end up losing, like, yeah. we end up losing the baby. And um, now, uh, yeah, we... We lost our baby, and it taught me something. But it it was not it's not a bad thing. It made me happy and sad. It made me happy to know that my body is functioning again. Where yeah, and, you, and like you went against the odds. Yeah, I went against the odds, and um, I my my body can have a baby or can at least produce eggs. And then it also taught me to yeah, you know what? Take I should wait a little bit until like second trimester just for myself and him and our family because we. My his family were was so heartbroken. Not to say my 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 mom's side wasn't because I didn't really open up to my mom's side, and it's only because I didn't want to disappoint her because it's different, you know. And I'm sure you you know this Asian parenting and yeah. um you know Western parenting is different. He's Mexican and he's white. I mean, in his Mexican, he's not Mexican at all. I'm more yeah. fucking Mexican than him, <laughs> you know. And he, it's like they're so excited for us to have kids and everything. But my my mom and my mom's side, they're more traditional, you know. Yeah. But now that I opened up to her and I've told her how I feel and everything, we've gotten so much closer. Well, when you found out that you lost the kid, what was going on through your mind? Um, I just, to me, it was just like what is wrong with me? And that's why I got super depressed. Again, yeah. I was like, what is wrong with me? And, and you know, and I blame myself. And I told Ben this, I said, you know, this is my fault. Because knowing mm. my situation, my doctors always tell me I'm going to be high risk, no matter what, no matter if it five years from now, 10 years, is, it will always be a high risk pregnancy. And because I also have fibroids near my uterus as well. What's that? Um, there are these, it's like these things that block your uterus. It's like a common thing for females. And it's, it's really hard to yeah. explain. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I feel a lot of blame because I push myself too hard. I'm a, I'm a workaholic. Mm. And when it comes down to it, I honestly, I'm always working, always grinding. And, I feel like at that time when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, you know what? I probably should have scaled back my work. I probably shouldn't have worked so hard. I probably shouldn't have stressed. And I felt really guilty. And I am so grateful where I have a partner who makes me feel the opposite. Was Did you feel the, the reason why you had that miscarriage was because of yourself? And Yes. I, I feel like it was because I worked too much. Like I was carrying things like really, you know, heavy things and I was pushing you know, myself. I mean, it's really hard to say though, man. Yeah, I know. And right. and that's why when I when I saw my OB and I saw when I actually because I went to the emergency room and they when they told me everything, um, the, the, that's the first thing that went through my head was like I should have I shouldn't have carried that case of water I shouldn't have you know it's, worked it's, it's so much it's easy to blame yourself for these things right especially yeah. because you're carrying a life within you and and I feel like a connection that you have with even your unborn child as a mother mm -hmm. you, you feel that heavy responsibility no matter what it doesn't matter yeah know? like even before they're born you everything that you do in terms of actions you feel responsible for it yeah and it's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people you know, especially for you and you know for you too like you know what so 
cat not too long ago she messaged me and about something serious and you know i asked her if you if it was okay for her to share like you you know you went through a lot of stuff you know and then there was a moment where you know for you the option of ending your life was more plausible than for you to survive yeah you know how did how did like and the reason why i think it's an important conversation to have is because people there's a lot of people that go through what you go through and i don't know what that feels like because i've never felt that way yeah you know um, I don't know what it was about my upbringing or what I saw that doesn't get me to that point where I, no matter what I go through, I think death is better than living. Yeah. You and know? you ca- you have to kind of think and question my, my, my logic where I didn't want to kill myself when I had cancer. Yeah. I didn't want to kill myself the second time I had cancer. I never felt suicidal whenever my dad was gone for 12 years. Yeah. I didn't feel that whenever... You know, I lost everything from Hurricane Katrina because we lost everything during Hurricane Katrina. Wow. You know, so I never felt those depressed moments. I knew I'm, I wasn't a depressed person up until like the end of last year, beginning of this year. Well, what was the trigger for it? What was the, the catalyst? The trigger was it was it was the immense. I'm telling you, it hit me like a brick. Uh, I, at the time, I wasn't fully getting along with my family and in a lot of ways and i'm a very family family is number one to me yeah and um at the time there was a lot of stuff going on with my family and then again going back to seeing my oncologist and having to do pet scans and then him saying you know what you're good with the lymphoma but just letting you know um in the future you might have breast cancer because we gave you so much radiation in your chest you might have breast cancer in, the, in you know in a couple years or in 10 years and it was a combination of all the stress and i and we i know i have support from family and friends yeah. but i'm a very independent person i don't like asking for help and i it was i think everything just built up it was all of the anxiety from. It's like just one thing after another. Yeah, it one was. Thing after, it, yeah, exactly. It was one thing after. When am I going to catch a fucking break? Yeah, and I think that everything for some reason I just and and like I put on, I put on a lot of people's. I'm a lot of people's go to person, so in that way I had a lot of struggles. I had a lot of um, a lot of struggles with a lot of my best friends at the time. Because I'm always I'm always that person like, hey, hey, how are you doing? Are you good? You know, are you good? How are you feeling today? And maybe you but I, I never I never got that back sometimes. And I think that whenever, you know, what happened when I try to commit suicide, I felt like I was truly alone in this world. Mm. I said, you know what? And I told and I and explained this to Ben so many times and the and it was a struggle for him. He's my partner. Yeah. And I had to let him know I feel this way where I think I will be happier if I wasn't on this world. And he explained to me, he goes, Do you realize how many people need you in your life? And I can't I couldn't I couldn't It's hard to grasp. I, I can't I couldn't. I couldn't accept it. Yeah. I said no. And and it was just so much where I end up trying to do it, and thank God I did it wrong. Yeah, sadly, you know, to say it in such a like cynical way, I'm glad I did it wrong because I went, I persevered through it. Um, you know, when I was talking to you about your, uh, you know, she, so she, so Kat messaged me on Instagram, and I actually met her. How did I meet you? It was at a show, right? Yeah. Well, it's a couple of shows. Yeah, a couple, shows, a couple and shows, and I, and I met you, right? 
And it's it's weird how sometimes when you're going through a lot of dark things, you you just you focus on everything that's wrong. Yeah. And it's very easy to get sucked into that shit. And what I was telling her was when she was she she you know, just to be frank and honest, and she's okay with this too is that she attempted to kill herself. Like it wasn't like some foolhardy attempt. She actually tried to kill herself and it didn't work out, you know. And from my perspective, from what you were telling me that you were going through, and for somebody who admires you, right? You're a fan, but you're somebody that I admire as well. It's very easy to look at your cup half empty. Remember, yeah. I told you that, yeah, right? Because, but if I told you what I saw from the outside, it was something that you were doing that was so admirable. But when you're in this dark space, it's so hard to be your own beacon of light. Yeah, and you know what? And you know what? What was really messed up about it was. When I went to a couple of people that I'm close with, I told them that I was going through this depression. And you know what they said to me? They said, what do you have to be depressed about? You have a house. You have dogs. You have a man that doesn't, you don't have to worry about cheating on you because they know our relationship. They're like, you have money. You have a career. And I go, well, thanks. I actually, uh, it it gave me, it opened up my eyes to know who the fuck my real friends are. Because they literally asked me that. What do you have to be sad about? This podcast is brought to you by Sunday Scaries, my friend. Sunday Scaries is a leader in the CBD space. They have created a niche for themselves by addressing America's anxiety problem, my friends. So check it out. Uh, They sell amazing, widely effective, and delicious tasting CBD products, especially their CBD gummies. So if you haven't used CBD products before, CBD products... Um, are pretty amazing. I've been using them for about two and a half years now. They help me with my personal anxiety issues and um, they help me just kind of calm down and get into a better space. And I have uh, been using them for a good minute, um, even for sparring or just just everyday life. And it feels great. It just helps me to kind of get my worries away. If you haven't tried CBD products, you're, you're missing out on a lot of things. It doesn't really have any psychoactive effects. I'm, I'm CBD without the THC and, and I personally love it. So uh, if you guys want to get 15% off, uh, use code BRAIN at sundayscaries.com and stop dreading the everyday bullshit in life that doesn't actually matter. Remember, to get 15% off, use code BRAIN at sundayscaries.com and stop dreading the everyday bullshit in life that doesn't actually matter. CBD, baby, all the way. Yeah, and that's such a terrible <laughs> way to look at it because I feel like sometimes people, they diminish what somebody's going through at the moment. Everybody has these moments where they feel defeated, right? And I think like having that strong support group was great. When you came to me, I didn't know what to say actually. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know what to say. The only thing that I could do at the moment was to tell you like how how you how I see your cup is full. You yeah. know? And I didn't want to tell you to like you're ungrateful. That's not that wasn't the message I was giving you. You know, what I wanted to say was like Take a step back and look at how great you're doing. Like you're doing, you fought cancer twice. That was an opportunity that most people would kill for, you know? And the fact that you survived that shit. And then on top of that, from your cancer, I mean, I know this is like maybe me trying to make a positive spin on things, but you found your passion because of this cancer. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine that shit. Yeah. You didn't go through this shit. You would be still work, working at a hospital yeah, right and, now to this day. And it's so funny you bring that up because my uh, fiance's friend, Jessica, that was his coworker, 
before I end up going, because I told you I'm such a hard worker and I'm always trying to work. Yeah. Before I end up going to chemo, I actually posted on my Facebook, Instagram, like, hey, anyone want to place any orders? I'm going in for chemo on Saturday. Place your orders now. Yeah. And she was like, Ben, what the fuck is wrong with her? <laughs> like, this bitch is strong. Like, why is she trying to work? But that's <laughs> the thing, though. You know, like, like I said, like, you're, it's for me, in your perspective, if you could think about it, your cup is really full, yeah. you know, like I'm not telling you that in the sense of like, oh, look at her. She's not grateful for what she has. I'm saying that if you take a step back from your situation and mind you, you have been through a lot. Your father went, your father was in prison for 12 years of your life. You didn't have that strong father figure. Yeah. You, went through, you went through fucking chemotherapy twice after you already beat cancer. Yeah. But how I see it is it's like this woman who has been through all this shit. She's already coming out on top. A lot of people don't have that. You know, and I think like for you, it's it's very easy to, to go into that dark space. And I'll be real with you. Like, I don't know if I'd be any stronger than you are. I don't know that. I don't yeah. I don't know. It's very easy to get into that dark space. You know, It is. And especially for me, when I actually do everything alone, like with, yeah. my, with my work, I'm home alone. I answer inquiries alone. I look at but I do bookings. Everything about about my life is home based all the time alone and when i when my when ben comes home it's like two three hours and then we're back at it the next day you know so i think at the at the time um there were a lot of outlets where we came up with solutions that's another thing is that he said you know what i think that what you're lacking is is a human interaction yeah because he was like you know you do see your customers you know every day you see your customers but he was like babe you don't have um you know human interaction anymore and he's like the happiest i ever saw you was when you were working at the hospital yeah and i actually worked at the the cancer floor of the hospital too so it was great for me because i could relate to them and i did really great on that floor um but i have to agree that i think that it was the years adding up to being alone all the time and then still struggling with and uh it's even though it's a little personal it doesn't matter i went with like Four years after the whole cancer thing, not having a, a, a normal menstrual cycle. Yeah. So it was like, is my what is my body doing this? Why am I doing this? Am I going to like there's all these questions are going through my head every day still to this day. Am I going to get sh- struck with cancer again? You know, am I going to be able to have a kid? Am I going to ever become a mother? Am I going to do this? Is do I even love baking? You know, do I just love baking for the satisfaction of making people happy because it doesn't bring me much joy anymore. Uh, But I love making people my goal. Like my, my thing is I love to make people happy. I loved, I loved taking care of people. And I feel like sometimes you put, I put myself on that back burner because I was always taking care of everyone else. You know, that's, that's the hard part, right? Like I, I think I really appreciate people who live a life of servitude and i think like christianity has a lot of that shit into it you yeah know, catholicism christianity pro- the protestant religion where you, you live for others versus yourself oh but yeah there's a downside to that because when you start living for others instead of yourself there's there's moments when you are by yourself and you're not getting that reciprocated appreciation you feel really alone yeah and it's do. hard right even with your friendships right you're like oh shit um I didn't think that these people had my back like I thought they did. Yeah, I'm telling. I'm telling you, you, you would be surprised. Like, like I said, I lost two of my closest. Like, like I said, I started friendships here after I moved here from 
um, Hurricane Katrina, but all the friends that I got here right when I moved to California, they've stayed my friends. So 10 plus years, all my closest friends under 10 people um, have stayed my friends. But I lost two of my great friends because of it, because I said not when I explained to them what was going on, I actually told them that I tried to commit suicide. Yeah. And they, they that's what they said to me was why they said you're stupid you have a, you know you have everything we don't think that you have any reason to do that and i go you know what i understand but i at the time i just need to reach out to you i need you to be supportive yeah of me. and that's and that's what i did to, for you is that yeah. i felt like because i've been and and i try to tell people i'm like i've been watching someone who i look up to and yeah. that has given great advice i wanted to get advice and i was like but at the same time i had also had another friend who told me I can't give you advice because I had never been through this. And I understood her. I said, if you haven't been through it, then I can't expect advice. And there's a lot of people who you, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's actually a great thing that you don't have a good big circle of friends who were, are depressed. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah, a good yeah. thing to say. It's That's like, great. my friends aren't depressed, but it's harder, especially. But um, yeah, like I said, the person that definitely, helped me through this was definitely been um my family and a couple of my great friends that it just brought us closer and it again it's 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 hard it's still hard to talk about you know know, i don't really know your friends that you lost but you know um sometimes people just don't know how to give advice and some people just don't know how to listen because a a lot of the times what happens is i'm guilty of this too is that we, when we give advice, we put too much of ourselves into it and we lack that empathy when somebody's yeah. hurting, right? Because what they see is what happens is when somebody talks down to somebody when they're going through thing, going through something, they go, oh, you have nothing to worry about, right? Look at what I'm going through and I'm not complaining about that shit. <laughs> so they, they put themselves yeah. in a position that you're in without being empathetic and without reaching out, you know? And what happens that is that you minimize how somebody feels, Right. Yeah. Some people take that to the stream where like where they're not really minimizing how they feel and they get exaggerated with their shit. But in times like this, I think that it's hard for people to understand when it's when you need to listen and when you need to give advice. Yeah. Because listening is a lot of the times is what people just need. They don't. You can't solve other. You can't solve other people's problems. Sometimes, yeah, they don't want an answer back. They don't want an just answer. Be there they, for they just want. Uh, literally an ear to listen to, you yeah. know? <laughs> just be there for me and support me, right? Yeah. Because even when you contact me, like, I don't know you on that close of a personal level. A lot of the stuff I'm just finding out right now, mm-hmm. right? But in that moment, I'm just like, okay, for, for somebody to reach out to me who doesn't know me very well, she must be going through some real shit, right? And for me, I met you and you know, you're a very positive human being and you're really great to be around. So I'm like, there must be something that she's really going through. And when you told me you, you actually tried to kill yourself and I'm like, what is this girl going through right now that her perspective is flipped? Because how I see her is completely different from how she sees herself. And that's, yeah. And that's the thing is like a lot of people who end up finding out later on, again, not a lot of people know, but I'm very open now to let, and when my, when my mom found out it, when my mom and my my dad found out, oh, it man. was it was cla- they they clashed. Yeah, they were like, "It's your fault. It's your fault." It, and it was it was it's not it's not my mom's fault. It's not my dad's fault. It's how I feel. You were dealing with it, yeah. Girl. I was dealing with a lot, and it's hard for a parent, though, man. Yeah, and I think both of them they just kind of kept they were fighting with each other. Like you know, it's your fault because you weren't there for you. No, it's your fault because you weren't there. It was it was a battle between them, but um, at the end of the day. 
I've gotten much closer to both of them and especially my mom because my mom and I we didn't have the closest I didn't grow up with her in California but right now Wait, who raised you then my grandma because so, that's a huge Asian thing dude <laughs> fucking shout outs to fucking Asian it's grandmas a noise man, man. You, yeah dude thank you joy oh, dude like thank, thank you for being around thank you Benoit. you know picking up the pieces man and my and my and my uncle kit kit he uh he was my dad for me yeah. and and during that time when i was you know when he found out um that i tried to kill myself the first thing he did was come over here yeah that's the first thing he and he he lives in texas and um yeah he i have an i'm so grateful to where and really blessed that i have closest family as i do yeah. um especially my dad's side is very very close i'm not saying that my mom's side's not the same but it's just that southern hospitality yeah, no yeah, yeah, judgment yeah. that slow f- slow paced life where it's really yin and yang when it comes to both of my my mom's side and my dad's side. Yeah. It's, they're both so different. And um, after that whole situation, I think my mom and I got very close. And it was one of those things that I had to come to realize, too, was there was anger that I had towards her. Because I thought that when I was a kid, she left me. You know, I thought yeah. that, you know what? A little resentment. She, yeah, there, yeah, resentment there. And as I get older, I realize, I, I, I tell my siblings all the time, because I'm the oldest of all of them, and it's a huge break, too, um, of, of age gaps. But I told them, I said, you know what, as I get older, I understand. I, I, it took a long time for me to fully understand, but I understand why if my mom or my dad, whatever situation it was, if my mom had to leave and she couldn't take care of me at the time or they had a disagreement. Like imagine what she was going through at the time. At the, she was 16, you know. I understand. I can't even imagine, you know. But then she had my sister, Vivian, and then Vanessa uh, about a couple years later. So That's kinda, so fucking funny. My assistant, uh, former assistant, her name is fucking Vanessa. And her, sis, <laughs> and her sister's name is fucking Vivian. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it's funny because Ben's like, those are promiscuous. He's like, I'll never name my kids V names because they're promiscuous as hell. And it's, like a, like, <laughs> it's like an Asian thing. Yeah, like, their name's Vivian and Vanessa. Like, we have one with yeah. the name V. Honestly. So everybody <laughs> have to have the name V. <laughs> All right, and I want to just tell you this. My, I love my My sister is one of my best friends. She's, uh, she's like a couple years younger than me. And she's like, Cat, you're gonna be. She was like, you're gonna be honest. She was like, a lot of my friends they watch this, and I was like, I was, yeah. like, I was like, V, what do you want? Just tell me. She's like, I was like, all right, if he lets me, I'll do it. But yeah, she, she's, she's great. She's actually the only um, family member that I end up telling about my yeah. my pregnancy this year on my mom's side. So yeah. I didn't even tell my mom that Ben and I got pregnant, and so she found out the bad news. I told yeah. Vivian. I said, can you tell mom the that I had a miscarriage and if I'm a little off these next couple of weeks or if I'm distant from her, There's it's not her. It. It's, it's not her. And my sister, she was great and she told my, my mom and my, and then the response I got back from my mom, from Vivian was, you know what, I wish she would have told me the good news. Yeah. And that at that moment, I was like, damn. You know, you know what it is too? It's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I had a conversation with my mom because you know, my brother is going through some shit right now, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, parents just want to be included. Yeah. Whether, whether it's the good or the bad, because when they're not included in the bad, they feel like they're fa- failing as parents because they just want to be there for you. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the times I think for independent human beings, we think that we always have to be strong on our own. 
right? Yeah. And, it, and it almost feels awkward to reach out for help. Yeah, yeah. You feel like you're a burden to people, yeah. you know? And so what happens with that when you feel like you're a burden, you, you kind of lose your own support group. You, you, you know, it's, it's hard when a broken person tries to heal another broken person. It's yeah. very fucking difficult. And sometimes, too, when a broken human being feels like they have to be independent and strong, they don't know who, who to reach out to. Mm-hmm. And it leaves you in a very just vulnerable and bad place. And because you you are the support group for somebody else, you don't want to ask them for support because yeah, you feel never. like you're failing them. Yeah, never. Yeah, I I always, uh, like I said, I always kept things inside because I have I feel like it's my duty and my obligation to be the strong one for yeah. my family and friends. And but like I said, that was one of my regrets this year is not telling my mom that hey mom Ben and I she wants are, to be there with you yeah every and moment. and now that and now that that we went through that and that happened in like June so a couple months ago um I now my mom it's it's it freaking makes me just want to cry sometimes thinking about it but when I'm on the phone with her she just got a fucking King Corso <laughs> yesterday they got a little puppy yeah. and she's just like. He's going to be so spoiled, you know, up until you and Ben have a kid. And yeah. just her saying that because mm. she's so traditional, she's she's so, you know, that Asian, they want you to experience life before yeah. you have kids. Her saying that, it made me feel so, it's like, happy, sad. Because yeah. I'm just like, I never thought I would hear my mom say, like, I want you and Ben to have kids. Because for a couple years, she was like hold off, hold off, you know, yeah. experience life. But Ben and I, we have different asp- We have different thoughts about how to live your life. Like, we're, we are, we like to travel, but we're not travelers, honestly. Yeah, 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 like, we're yeah. very, like, home, homey, and we like to spend time with our family and our dogs, and we're just very home, ho- like, cozy home. And I try to explain to her that I don't want to go out and experience, like, go travel. I, that's not really what I want to do. Uh, in my life, I want to just have, you know, have my friends, have my family, have kids. Yeah. And I know that might be a little weird concept for some people, but no, I everybody don't. Got their own yeah, I don't. I don't have that thing to like travel. And that's dope. That's fine. Yeah, just if, just for her to hear her say like, you know, you I you guys gonna be having kids just for her to say that it's it's very groundbreaking. And I and maybe it doesn't sound groundbreaking, but for someone like me. To hear her not be okay with having kids for so 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 many years and putting it down for her to say, bring that up. It was a monumental moment for me and it made me cry when I got home and I said, I can't believe now she takes this, she takes this seriously. She yeah. doesn't underplay that I can't have children. You know, I, you know, I did a video on this and, and I think it was a concept that I, I started to learn as I got older was that. There's a couple of things. Number one, everybody is going through something, you know, even some of the people who are outwardly and externally happy, they're going through some shit. Mm-hmm. And what I found out is that happiness takes a lot of effort. You have to choose to see the good, good in things because it's very easy to get caught up in your own bullshit. It's very easy to get caught up in the bad things in life. Happiness takes a lot of fucking effort, you know, and I, because I started to invoke that in my life, you know, things got better. Yeah. You know, like I have to understand that even to the basic things right 10 fingers 10 toes i don't have issues with mental instability like some other people do i don't have autism i, I don't have a short limb i have vision i have sight i can speak 
these are the things that I, I really have to be grateful for. Yeah. Because some people don't have that shit, you know? And it's so easy to get caught up in all this bullshit. That's why when I saw your situation, I'm just like, what you see when you were when you were thinking about killing yourself was like, dude, man, like I got the shit under the stick. But what I saw was a woman who has been able to create her own business out of some kind of tragedy that happened in her life. And how I see it now, and maybe it's because of my perspective, is that, like I said before, where would you have been without that cancer? Yeah. <laughs> where would you have been? I know. Where would you have been without that trial and tribulation that forced you to do something that you really loved? And now it's your fucking career. I know. What it's, would have happened? I'm without, telling you, it's yeah. crazy. Like I, the business that I, the people that I started doing orders for like five, six years ago, I, it's my business is so great to where I do their, I'm, I'm doing their gender reveal and then their baby shower, and then yeah. all of a sudden it's their first birthday, then their second birthday, I'm telling you, man. then their third. And I've been a part of someone's family now for six years, like doing consistently doing their new I, kids, and it, it's yeah. like it's so rewarding to where I was like, you know what, the satisfaction that I got from working at the hospital, it's kind of the same whenever whenever I pick up my phone that next day and I ask my clients, hey, how was everything? And they say, you made our party everything, Kat. Like, I've had customers change their party date to have my desserts. And it's like, I'm I you, don't Kat, realize man. how big it, it, it is. It's, and it's because it's I don't, important. you know, and I forget that. And I don't know how yeah. to accept that I've created something like that. Imagine, like, imagine how just creating simple desserts really affect somebody in a positive way if you weren't around and you decided to kill yourself people wouldn't have those moments that's how you affect people yeah you gotta really think about that shit yeah <laughs> it's crazy i know it's it's weird i'm telling you it's people it's wouldn't so have weird. those moments and i i know for you like sometimes when you when you feel sad and you're down and you get swallowed up by these dark thoughts i'm telling you man like people have to realize like they, they really do have an effect on other people's lives when when you find purpose and you find that purpose and you're grounded in it, people search their whole lives for that shit, Kat. Yeah. There are people who are 70, 80 years old, they still don't know who the fuck they are. Yeah. They don't know that shit. They, they, they still search for it. And they're still trying to be something that they're not. They're trying to mold into what other people wanted them because when they were younger, they didn't take the time to figure out who they are. And I'm somebody who truly believes that trials and tribulations are a must in your life to shape who you are as a human being. No, and I and it's funny because I I tell people this, me and Ben tell people this all the time. Me and him have every reason, not every reason, but we've had we've been through so many so many things in our life where we could be a piece of shit yeah. to in society and to people, but we don't like we because I we know a lot of people are like I've been through this, I've been through this, I can't, you know, I just can't do it because and and I, and my and. I, I'm not trying to, I'm not judging anyone, but in my opinion is if you can identify what your problem is or, you know, yeah. what that is, you should try to work on it and not use it as a crutch for your whole life. Yes. You know, like that's the difference. easy to do that. Yeah. That's the easy route. Exactly. So like everyone's like, you know, you, you with your dad, they're like, you didn't have a dad. Do you have daddy issues? Hell no. My, I was like, you know, I didn't see my dad. I got to, vi I had maybe visited him like twice yeah. for, during the 12 years. But I still think my, my father is an amazing father. And I said, I could have, I could have daddy issues, mommy issues, everything. But I, I don't. And that's really <laughs> admirable, right? Because some, sometimes even for me, it's hard for me to sit down and say, I call it personal responsibility. 
right? There are things that happen in your life that you couldn't control, but at the end of the day, with your actions, you have still you're still personally responsible for the things that you do and the way that you behave. It sucks that you had the shit hand in life, right? Yeah. You, you got dealt a shit hand, but now after you move past that, it's up to you to figure out how you're going to conduct yourself through the rest of your life. Because I have a friend too, mad negative. This this dude mad fucking negative, right? And I understand yeah. life was terrible. But how I say this too is that at the end of the day, after you're done explaining to to everybody else why your life is shit and you keep expressing these negative negative thoughts and you have all these bad habits, after a while people don't fucking care. They don't care. They're not going to want to be around you. Yeah. Right? And then you lose your support group. Friends can be empathetic. They can sympathize with you. But nobody wants to be around somebody who always wants a pity it's party. Our, yeah. <laughs> the pity party shit doesn't fucking matter at the end of the day. That's why I love comedy, right? Yo. People say shit too all the time. They go, yo, man, like I love your comedy. It was like, but, but you know when I say my comedy stuff, when you look back at it, a lot of that shit is tragic. You know, getting your ass beat as a kid, you know, uh, being poor, you know, being impoverished. You think that shit's funny? It's not. No. But I, I, but I put a flip on it, you know, because I can't sit here and wallow in self-defeat because I can't live that way. I, yeah. I refuse to live that way. You know, so that thought of being gracious and grateful for what you have is very important because it puts things in perspective, you know, and I'll go back to saying for you, man, like you, you, that cancer, though it was a tragedy in your life, it actually turned out to be a blessing. Yeah, it really has. Um, it's a huge yeah. blessing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge fucking blessing. Without that shit, would you have started this business? No, <laughs> honestly, no, it, it literally went from my, my, like I said, my oncologist saying, hey, we don't, it's a risk for you to work in like a work environment. You might faint, you might get a little yeah. woozy. I said, all right, what can I do? Because I, forced, I got, I got, I still got bills to pay yeah. and I'm not going to ask people for money. You know what it did? It <laughs> took you out of your comfort zone yeah. and it forced you to find your passion. Like I want to, I don't have my phone on me, but. If you look at my Instagram page from like the very, very, very start of my desserts, it was trash. Like oh, yeah. I, I look at it, we're just looking at it and I'm like, I was like, how the hell did I give these to people? Yeah. And then a year, a couple of years later, and then I'm looking at my work, I'm like, shit, I improved, you know? Yeah. And every day, like Ben's telling me, like, he's like, you don't realize that you you like blow me away every single time you come up with this new dessert or this new design. He's like, he was like, you surprise me every day. Cause he knows that this wasn't my path. He knows that he knows that. You know, and, and for your friends out there too, that you lost, I don't think they came from a negative when they made, they came from a negative place because they felt like you're being ungrateful. But I essentially am saying the same thing that they're saying, but I'm packaging, packaging it in a better way. They should have learned how to talk to human beings. Yeah. You know, and, and the way that they're coming out from it is from a hate that comes from a personal issue that they have that they're projecting onto you. And you know what? You're totally right because when I lost them and I told Ben about it, you know what he told me? He said, you are seeking advice from two people who don't even has never even lived life. Yeah. Who still lives at home with their parents who's yeah. never gone out of their comfort zone. Who's never had. They can't relate to you. Yeah. That's what he was saying. He was like, he was like, hun. You, you you're looking for the wrong you were looking for the wrong people they can't yeah. give you advice like that you know and it's amazing that you have somebody in your life that's a pillar for you you know that's <laughs> fucking awesome he yeah he i'm telling you i honestly i truthfully would not be here if it wasn't that's amazing for him. man if like it, that's what i'm saying like when, when i really see your your, your glass is half full you know yeah. it's 
I, man, you've been through a lot more than most people have, you know, and the fact that you chose to stick it out and stay around, it's, it's, it's amazing, man. And, it, and and that's the reason why I really wanted to bring you on this podcast is for people who go out there and feel what you feel and they haven't even been through half of what you've been through, you know, and, you, and you're choosing to stick around. And I'm telling you, like, after, after all this happened, I'm not going to lie, this year has after that has been happy i'm good perspective like i'm after everything after all that shit i have a better relationship with my mom i have a better relationship with ben i have a better relationship with my friends the friends that i you know that stayed with me with my even my customers and my clients they were concerned for me because they knew something that's how close i am with my clients is that i have a relationship with them when they when they're texting me how i'm feeling and i wasn't answering they knew something was off because i'm very open with my clients and and i see my clients as some of like more than just clients as friends because i'm in their life i'm doing parties for their whole family and they're concerned for me and that's when ben told me he's like you're, he was like, if you think that no one's going to be sad, if you were to end your life, he was like, it's bullshit. Yeah. He was like, not just me. He's like, not your family, not your Everybody friends. Everyone, everyone that have you have impacted. And I had to think about it. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like a damn hypocrite right now because with his job, I'm always telling him, honey, at least you have a job. At least you get overtime. At least you have this you have this like it's, it's easier to give advice than take your <laughs> yeah own. yeah so when i thought about it, i was like i'm being a hypocrite right now man i'm like i'm always telling him look at the brighter side look at this look at that and then when he's telling me this i wasn't accepting it i was just like no 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 like people will be better off without me and then now this year everything is good like it's it, good <laughs> if i were to ask you you know before we end this podcast you know somebody who is going through what you went through and what you're going through with those suicidal thoughts, what's a piece of advice that you could give them to help change their perspective on their life? I would, there's a couple of things. I would say, honestly, for my advice to someone who's going through your own, whatever issue it is, where it's fertility, where it's just depression or anything like that, you have a lot of people or even if it's not a lot of people, that one person, that there's one person out there who needs you and who loves you. And they can't go on without even imagining life without you. Just that little, just even if it's one person, that one person is enough that they care so much about you that they don't want, they can't even imagine life without you. And even like there's so many outlets that I think people can go to and like i said friends family sometimes it's someone that you don't even really know but you felt like you felt compelled to add to get advice Mm -hmm. from them just like that i reached out to you you know i reached out to anna and jeremy i reached out to jess even and i said i know i don't know you guys like that but i feel like i need advice yeah and it actually helped it really every single person that gave me advice it helped tremendously and another outlet like it's uh, i'm not trying to freaking plug in anyone's shit but i'm not gonna lie you can if ben will tell anyone a lot of the things that made me and my spirits happy was my friends and family but then i'm not kidding you your this channel yeah jk tim's channel anything that was comedy anything just listening to just some just listening to you guys bullshit and talk off the record it helps and i think that some i don't know if you guys know this but 
for me, it helped me a lot uh, mm. during my during everything. Like just while I'm working, that shit's on for hours. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not trying to plug it in, but it really you guys don't realize how much you guys help other people, mm. not just in California or in the city, all over the world. People yeah. are watching you guys and you guys are helping. They're, they might be fucking depressed one morning, sad, angry. They fucking flip that channel on. They watch you guys and they're like, holy shit, my mood is completely changed. I'm happy. I'm smiling. I'm laughing. Yeah. And just little things like that, like finding out- outlets or even just holding on to someone that cares about you. Because there, there's always someone who cares about you and, and is looking out for your well, your well-being. Yeah. I don't believe that there's one person out there who's like i have no one you do mm-hmm. have someone um you just yeah you i just mean to, just to summarize that up it's just like <laughs> finding that support group and appreciating the people that are around you it doesn't have to be a lot of people but you know your your life matters yeah you know it, it, it really does um, a huge spectrum thing your life really matters and you'd be surprised like your death how it affects somebody yeah, it affects some some people. You may not think it because you're in a bad place in your life, but perspective is everything, you know. And and I and I always say it like this, you know. And I use photos as a great example, right? When I take photos of people, they look at it like ah, I don't like this angle, you know. I don't like this. <laughs> and then when I post this photo, you know, everybody comments like, "Yo, this is an amazing photo," yeah. but they don't like that side of themselves because they're so used to putting up a front. And the try good to sh- ones try to show a side of themselves that you know really is it honestly you yeah you know and what i say is too is like when i post a photo of you that's you know when i edit the photo it takes me like you know 20 30 minutes to edit this photo and the reason why i posted of you it's not so much because it's your best angle it's because i'm trying to show the qualities that i love about you mm-hmm. right the things that the things that you don't see in yourself the people that love you see all that shit when you when you wake up and you feel like yo I don't feel beautiful guess what when the people people who love you they always think that you're beautiful yeah it's it's if you have really good friends you know like um like Gio I love Gio Gio to me is like one of those people who I feel like if I wanted an older sister in my life she, she would, would be, be the one she would be the one <laughs> yeah. right and for her when I look at her man she's I I think like I mean. She's beautiful, not even in the physical sense. She's physically very beautiful. Everybody fucking knows that, right? (laughs) But I even told her, I was like, there are times where I don't even want you to talk. I just want to be around you Mm -hmm. just because I feel comforted around you, right? And that's that's who she is as a person. She's such a loving and empathetic person, you know? But, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to see those qualities in themselves. But everybody around you feels that shit. Yeah. And I think think that's what I had to um, accept. Uh, I, I I had to accept that. And there, there are times when you you have so many people telling you that you're you're so caring, you're so empathetic, and then it made me again. This is during my depression. I internalize and I go, all these things that I do for people, am I doing it genuinely for them, or am I doing it for myself? And then a lot of people are like, "Cat, what are you talking about? You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for others." But then there's that twisted part of you where. I thought to myself, am I genuinely doing this for for yeah. that person or is it to make me feel good? Yeah. You know, and I think that's another another thing that I question myself with, but I can say that I am I that is my definite life purpose is to help people. And that's a great thing that help you found. People, you, know, you know. That's awesome. Well, you know, I got to tell you, man. 
for number one, thank you for coming on and sharing the story. Oh, you're welcome. And it's, it's a hard thing. I, I, I was trying to get you on like a couple of months ago, but you know, I've been traveling so much, but I just wanted to be in the right space to be able to share the story with people because it's important, man. And mm-hmm. you know, you, uh, you're surprised. Like you're not the first person that hit me up with, you know, suicidal thoughts. And it's humbling. The fact that somebody will reach out to me, but I get scared too. Cause I don't want to give the wrong advice. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know what it feels like. You know, like I've, I've had moments where I felt like my life was worthless, but I never thought about taking my own life. Yeah. And, um, and hopefully this shit could help other people out. You know, I hope so too. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it, it, like at all the things I've been through, there was not nothing, there was nothing last year around that time, the end of last year, the end of December, January, where anything really traumatic happened. So that's what I, some people need to realize is nothing really like needs to be traumatic, like a event that needs to, that just yeah. hits you like a train. There was nothing at that time that like hit me like a train. I was like, fuck, you know, it was just all of a sudden I just started thinking, thinking, thinking. Do you think thinking. that for you because you're so independent and you're trying to be strong on your own? All that shit just yes. built up and it just came crashing it, down it, on you? It, it, 100%. It, 100%. I try not to tell my fiance everything that's going on because he works so much and I don't want to do that. I don't want to put so much stress yeah. on him. I don't want to go to my family because I need to be strong for them and my siblings. I need, I'm need. i the strong person for my friends and I think that I just needed, I needed someone at that time, around that time, I needed someone to ask me, hey, how, are, how you are you doing? And I think that's the one thing that if anything you can take away from this is check up on your strong friends, guys. Like, yeah. check up on your strong friends. Your strong friends, they might be going through some shit. And the simple thing, that's the simplest thing is, hey, how are you doing today? Yeah. Like, I miss you. I hope you're doing well. That makes a difference. Yeah. And someone that is strong and tries to be independent and tries not to involve anyone in their problems. Yeah. It's just asking them how you're doing. That's and awesome. it helps, you know. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good place to end the podcast, man. Yeah. Hour in. That was amazing, man. <laughs> I mean, Went by fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kat, where, where, where can they find you? Uh, Cat Sweets uh, on Instagram. <laughs> I, like I said, it's it's not like uh, people like, like I, I'm a part of like joe's jamaya on facebook and and it's funny before this even happened um i told him i'm like i'm mad nervous i have anxiety i was like i need like the support and love and there's and his his whole citizens of jamaya they're some of the most supportive people ever like they were just telling me like you know what you're good you're good you got it and i was just filled with anxiety and i told uh, been this too i said i i don't have a problem opening up and telling you especially you how i feel and what i've been through it's that i'm nervous on what other people are going to see and hear yeah. and because i've never because like when you just said where can you find me it's i'm not a social media person i'm yeah. not i'm really like i don't have any influence and yeah. like that i'm not on youtube i'm not on anything like that so i'm just so i was telling everyone i'm afraid of what I'm going to see in the comments, like if people are going to be negative, you know, cause I never had to deal with that, yeah. but I'm just, but I got a lot of good advice and people are just like, fuck it. You know, there's going to yes. be haters yeah. <laughs> no matter what. When you're <laughs> successful, people will always hate on yeah. your success cause they're not happy with what, where they are in their life. But yeah, but yeah, you know, you don't, I, the only social media I have is my private, which I am not going to add you guys on, yeah. <laughs> but I have my, uh, my dessert page. It's yeah. cats underscore sweets underscore. 
and I'm yeah. in Orange County. <laughs> Check that out, guys. Anyways, man, um, you could catch us on Spotify, podcast, any kind of online platform. If you're on iTunes, give us that five star. We're trying to reach that 3K likes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, like I, like I told you guys, if it's your first time listening to this podcast, this podcast is never about celebrities and what you know their personal stories and lives. Everybody has a great personal story. It's just about opening up. And uh, I want people to relate to people in this podcast. You know, you know. I, I think sometimes you guys want major and huge guests, which I could get any time. But I want to bring people on here that I resonate with the most, even if they don't have a huge following. It doesn't matter to me, man. And um, you know, hopefully this helps somebody out. And if you guys are going through that, those feelings of you know feeling alone, and you want to end your life, just know that you know you're not the only one going through that shit. You know, it's a, it's a constant thought that a lot of people have. You know, I'm, I think I'm blessed in the fact that I haven't thought of that shit. But it's it's more common than it's not. And you're not alone either, man. There's there's a lot of energy that you could put, put into to looking at the negative things in your life. But if you flip that shit and you look at how great things are going for you. Like I said, even the small shit. I look at my – I have eyeballs. I have sight. <laughs> yeah. I could speak. Yeah. You know, I had a roof over my head, food in my stomach. I got fucking 10 fingers and 10 toes. I know that sounds so fucking stupid to a lot of people. No, it's everything, dude. But, but <laughs> gratitude grounds you and it gives you great perspective. So anyways, guys, uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time. David broke his diet. I did. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right, y'all.